Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Good morning. It is great to see you guys. Welcome to Seacoast Church. My name is Josh Surratt, and I am uh, one of the teaching pastors. I love this time of year. It's fall. The, oh, it's not quite fall yet, but it's the end of summer, and, and the weather's starting to cool down a little bit. we got football starting up this week, college football. That's right. we got some men excited about that, some women excited about that. Uh, we, we got schools back in. Let's give it up for the teachers and principals. We appreciate you guys. My son started kindergarten this week, and he asked me on Wednesday, he was like, Daddy, how many days out of the week do I have to go to school? (laughs) Welcome to the real world, buddy. But man, we're glad that you're here. I want to welcome all of our campuses that are joining us. I told you last week we uh, uh, toured the Low Country campuses. I want to give a shout out to our upstate campuses. We've got a campus in Manning, South Carolina, and two campuses in the Columbia area. By the way, if you're at our Columbia location uh, on, on the east side of Columbia, I want to encourage you guys, stay away from that 11:15 service, all right, guys? So the deeper Christians, the strong ones are at 9.30. Just a, a shout out um, for those guys. We've got uh, campus in Greenville. We've got our Asheville campus. We're glad that all of you are here, all of the venues here at Long Point. Those of you watching online as well, uh, we're excited to have you here. We're in a series called Deeper, and uh, we're studying the book of Colossians. If you have your Bibles, you may want to go ahead and open up to Colossians 3. We'll get there in a minute. But before we do, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever uh, put on an outfit, uh, worn an outfit, and realized maybe partway through your day that it wasn't a great choice for you? I don't know if you've ever been there. Maybe it was that it was time to upgrade from a, you know, large to an extra large, and you didn't know that until a button popped or whatever. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that. Maybe there's some holes um, and and, and your clothes that are in inopportune places, and you, you realized it partway through the day that, oops, I probably shouldn't have shouldn't have worn that. Maybe your outfit still belongs to a prior decade, and um, someone pointed it out. Some of you are coming to that revelation right now as we speak. Dude, I shouldn't have worn that. I'll tell you what, I I, I asked our staff this week uh, to to send me anything that they had that either them or their spouse need to just sort of eliminate from their wardrobe. And so I've got a few things I want to show you uh, that that we've got from, from our staff. The first one, and probably my favorite, you know what, let's not do these. Let's do these ones right here. Check these pants out. What do you think? <laughs> do these need to go? Now, these, are, these would be a little loud as a, a woman's pair of pants, but these are men's pants. I just want to let you guys know. <laughs> these are men's pants. I'm not going to throw uh, Jim under the bus or whoever they belong to, um, but probably need to go. You know what? Uh, we had our worship leader's wife at the Long Point campus, Martin Chalk. She, she sent this in. This is a kilt. How many think the kilt needs? I actually like the kilt. I think Martin should keep the kilt. I think he should lead worship in it one weekend. It would be kind of cool. Now, check these pants out. Um, these pants, you know, are actually, they're not bad. I think they're pretty cool, uh, trendy, until you turn them around. How many of you would agree these need to go? Like, these need to be eliminated from the wardrobe entirely. We do have uh, some, uh, some leg warmers, you know, not, not cool. Let's 
keep those in the 80s. I've got a couple of them uh, that I actually like a lot, but Lisa told me I need to go. This is my letter jacket. Any of you guys have letter jackets from back in the day? This is high school representing First Baptist downtown, the Hurricanes. Some people just put their last name. I got the full name, Josh Surratt. I want people to know. Got the letters. I've asked Lisa to wear this, you know, as a proud girlfriend, and she won't. She's, she's not into it. Some things just need to go. Other things just need to be put away for another season, and that's what this one's all about. That's my, my Cub shirt. But, you know, we were about, I don't know, maybe three months into marriage and, you know, past that honeymoon stage, and um, Lisa began to inform me that there were some items in my wardrobe that weren't, weren't going to make the transition from single life to, to married life, and so we were, I was getting ready to go to work one day and uh, walking out the door and kind of, hey, I love you, giving her a kiss, goodbye. And she was like, hey, um, so are, are you going to wear that out to work today or what? And I think I, I think I had like navy blue and a black belt and black shoes, something that she didn't think went well together. And I was like, yeah, what's your problem? They, I look great. And she was like, well, I just, you know, I, I, you know whatever. And so I, I told her, uh, you know, that she didn't know what she was talking about. And I wore the outfit to, to work. The thing about Seacoast staff is that they're honest and, and sometimes brutally so. And so that day I had like three or four people that were like, dude, just don't do that again. Whatever you, you know, that's, it's not working for you. You shouldn't do it. And uh, I think Lisa may have sent an email or something. I'm not sure what was going on with that. But, <laughs> but over the years, I've sort of learned that fashion isn't really my strength. Lisa's actually a lot better at that. So now 12 years into marriage, I'll even ask her, like if I'm going to speak or if I'm going to an important meeting or whatever, I'll go, hey, does this, does this look okay? And I've, I've learned to sort of trust her judgment. Well, we're in a series called Deeper, and by now you should be wondering what any of this has to do with the Bible. If you're not, then, then you need to be wondering that. But here's the deal. Here's what Paul's doing. We, we've been studying the book of Colossians and, and laying a foundation. Two weeks ago, uh, the first two weeks in the series, we talked about basic theology, that, that Jesus is the, the, the way, the truth, the life. That's actually in the book of John. But we talked about Jesus is central to our salvation. There's no way we can, we can have relationship with God apart from Christ. And then week two, we talked about legalism, talked about how uh, you know, there are going to be people that tell you that, that the way to get to Jesus is by eating certain things, acting in a certain way. And Greg did a great job of just laying out the fact that it's, again, it's about Jesus. It's not about what we do. Last week, we talked about how change, once we've received Christ, starts on the inside. This week, Paul is addressing the wardrobe. In fact, I sort of got the impression that he, he, he pulled the Colossian church together and he said, you know what? We've talked about Jesus we're not going to be legalistic. You're a new creation now. Are you really going to go out in that? You know, are, are you really going to wear some of these things out? And he's not talking about our dress, but he's talking about some of our attitudes, some of our behavior, some of our actions. And so we're going to dive into it. We're going to talk about, about that. I think uh, if you have some context, it is uh, Jesus has already died and, and raised from the dead. He's already ascended into heaven. And so the, the, the Holy Spirit obviously is, is in the earth and is, is there for the building up of believers. But the only representation that the world has now of who Jesus is, of what Jesus is like, is, is his church. It's his family. And Paul's going, you know what, we, we want to make sure that we're representing Jesus well. 2,000 years later, how many of you would agree with me that the church has a bit of an image crisis in, in, in the general public. Would you agree with that? I mean, when, when you think about what the media says and what maybe non-Christians think about the church and think about Christians, it's not a really pretty picture. I was reading this book this week. It's called Mud 
and the Masterpiece. It's actually a cool book about seeing yourself and others through the eyes of Jesus, written by a guy named John Burke. And John pastors in Austin, Texas. And um, his town in Austin is a very cool town, but it's a very unchurched town. And so he was doing a survey. He was trying to figure out how him as a pastor and his church could, could engage with unchurched people. So he did a survey with unchurched people in his town. And he said, when you think about a Christian, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? And in this informal survey, here's some of the things that they come, came up with. The most common responses, judgmental, narrow-minded, arrogant, hypocritical, and bigoted. Those are the top five responses for what came to their mind when they thought of Christians. Not, not a really pretty picture. So then he did a similar survey with, with the same people and said, what about Jesus? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about the person of Jesus Christ? And here's the list. Loving, kind, compassionate, wise, merciful, truthful, hopeful, healing, caring, and helping. See, I don't know about you, but that's, that's pretty shocking to me. I mean, how is it that a people group that aspires to follow Jesus could be described in such polar opposite way as people would describe Christ? You know, and as I read the New Testament, I, I notice that the, the very words that the unchurched community used to describe Christians are similar to the words that Jesus used to describe the Pharisees back in the day. You know, and, and I know what many of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, that's the media, and that's, you know, and, and I agree, there's, there's definitely a slant there, but the truth is we're not the best judge. You know, when I told Lisa, whatever, I'm going to wear this out, I wasn't the best judge of my own outfit. You know, she could see me at angles that the mirror didn't actually show, and she could kind of provide some perspective. So whether you believe it or not or buy into it or not, just we aren't the best judge of how we're being perceived. So we need to be able to handle the truth and realize that this is what the world sees us as. And it's not just this one book, Barna, who's a big research organization uh, based out in in, uh, Nebraska. They did a, a research survey across the entire country about six or seven years ago and came up with the same information. It's in a book called Unchristian uh, by Gabe Lyons, if you're interested in checking it out. So it's not just one person. It's, it's a general perception that the church has a bit of an image problem. I don't like that. You know, if, if we had an image problem because of what we believed, because we believe the Bible, that's one thing. But, but I think that the words that they describe there aren't things that actually line up with who Jesus is. They, we don't have an image problem because we, we stand on truth. We have an image problem because we, we don't act often in the ways that Jesus did. Now, so Seacoast is excluded. You guys are pretty much perfect. So this is for other churches. This message is going to be for others. Not, not really. We all, we all struggle with that. We all struggle with it. So what we're going to do is we're going to learn how to look the part. And it goes beyond just what we wear on the outside or kind of surface level things. Paul is going to, going to talk to us about how we can experience a total fashion makeover as, a, as believers, a spiritual makeover, how we can begin to, to live in the life that God's called us to. Because he says, you used to be old creations and, and Jesus has made you new. And that's great. That's where it starts. That's where transformation happens. But how many of you would agree that we have a part to play in living out that faith and, and developing and growing? It's led by Jesus. It's initiated by the Holy Spirit, but we have a role to play. So what do we need to do? How, how do we get a spiritual makeover? The first thing that we have to do, according to Colossians, is clean out the closet. Clean out the closet. He doesn't say it in that way, but, but we need to clean out the closet. Some of you wives are going, thank you, Josh. I've been telling my husband for months to clean out the closet. No, that's not what I'm talking about. 
Let's look at it. Colossians 3, 5 to 9. It says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. So that's a list that he lays out. He says, here's some things that you need to get rid of. You need to learn to clean out the closet. You need to get, get rid of them. And, and I want you to circle the phrase, put to death, put to death. Now, that's not language that, that I use very often in my daily lives. I hope you don't use it a whole lot. But, but, but I know that um, a, a, a couple, of, uh, couple of days ago, this is, this is fresh for the 1115 service, so I may not work. But a couple of days ago, Lisa and I were in our house. She's going to be glad that I shared this. And, and a cockroach crawled across the wall. And she was like, get that thing. Now, what she meant is kill it. Do whatever it takes. Don't gently walk it out the door. Don't, you know, we don't need to cradle it. We need to grab a shoe and we need to spread its body across the wall and then clean it up, right? And so that's kind of the language we're talking about here. He's saying this is going to be a battle. Put it to death. This isn't the kind of thing that we go, oh, well, you know, these are some things. Yeah, I'm not real proud of them, but it's just sort of a part of who I am. It says, no, put it to death. The Greek word is nekru, nekru. And it, it literally means to put to death, to kill, to mortify. The King James Version says mortify these things. And that language it, it, to me says there's going to be a fight. These things aren't going to go down easily. These are parts of our old nature that, and some of us, I mean, they're deeply rooted. They've, they've kind of hung out for a long time and, and we need to get serious. We need to put them to death. They're like a cancer to our spiritual life. If we don't deal with them, they're just going to grow. They're going to fester. Jesus said it this way, just in case you think, well, Paul, you know, he was a little bit of a maverick. Well, you know, Jesus was, you know, we think of him as this more kind, loving, and he was. But check this out, Matthew 5, 29 and 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And those are some strong words. I thank God that I don't think he meant them literally. Otherwise, we'd have heard about all the one-eyed, one-armed, you know, <laughs> churches back in the day. But, but he's saying, man, there's some things you, you got you to gotta be, be serious about them. And, and, and I feel like I need to qualify this. You can read a list like that and slip right back into legalism. And, and you got to remember, this list isn't things that will make God more proud of us or, or draw us, you know, closer. Make it, he, He's never going to love you more than he, he did the day that he saved you. But these are things that if we don't deal with them, they're not only going to destroy our ability to live in Christian community, to be a church family that, that, that loves each other in the way that God's called us to, but we're also going to be very poor reflection to the world. You know, Paul said in Corinthians that we're his ambassadors. We're to be Christ's ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative. They, they, they represent the, 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 you know, the, the president or whatever it is. And, and he's saying, man, if, if we don't deal with these things, we're going to be poor reflections of what God, who God is and what he's called us to be. The truth is, if we don't kill these things, they're going to kill us. That's why he uses such strong language. 
And they're, they're part of our old nature. Some of us spend a lot of time developing some of these attributes, and, and they're not going to go down easy. It's going to be a fight, but we've got to be willing to kill them. I don't know if you're like me. When I read a list like this, I tend to kind of scan through it, and I'll categorize it. You know, Paul didn't categorize it, but I categorize it. I go, I'll go, you know, these are some things that, that are really bad, and, and, and we need not deal with them. And then these are some things that are they're not good, but they're certainly not on the same level as the other things. And, and typically, the things that I put in the really bad category are things that I do not struggle with. And the things I put in the bad but not too bad is the things that maybe I struggle with a little bit. Do you guys do that? It's like, so I scan through it, and I start to think, well, I don't deal with that one or that one or that one. I'm all right. You know, I'm feeling pretty good. Paul doesn't do that. He says, all these things, we need to put them to death. And here's the truth, that at, at the Long Point campus and at all of our campuses, there's not a single one of us in the room that doesn't get hit by that list. There's not a single one of us that go unscathed when we go down this list. You may not struggle with sexual immorality, but man, if we were in the car on the way to church with you, listening to the way that you were talking to your family, you know, you, there's some anger, you know, and it always surfaces on the way to church. I don't know why that is, but it's just, it's just the way that it goes. Maybe you don't deal with anger. But man, get around a group of people that are talking trash about somebody else and you'll just dive right into that, man. I love it, man. Hey, you need to pray for Susan. Did you hear about Susan? She's cheating on her husband. At least I think she is. And man, if you, if we, you know, we'd just love to sort of spread this gossip. You know, all of us get hit by the list. Let's go down the list just to make it a little uncomfortable in here. <laughs> the first thing was sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. What does that mean? Any act of sex outside of marriage. Like, dude, all right, Josh, it's, it's, it's 2013. Yeah, it seems a little, a little dated, you know, to, to really expect that we're going we're gonna to live in this way. I mean, whether you're married and, and involved in sexual activity outside of your marriage or whether you're single and involved in sexual activity, saying, put it to death, don't do it. Here's the deal. Culture has changed quite a bit on morality, but, but God hasn't changed at all. And so, so we need to take him at his word. He says, don't do it. You know, I do a lot of premarital counseling and, um, you know, typically 100% of the couples that I counsel want God's blessing on their marriage. That's why they come into it. They go, man, would you, we, we want to learn, we want to grow, we want to, you know, if they didn't, they'd go do justice to the peace or whatever. And so we'll talk about how do we get God's blessing in our marriage and some things that we need to do. The Bible says covenant issues, all that stuff. Inevitably, when we bring up the issue of sexual uh, immorality or, 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 or their sex life, typically it's a guy going, dude, why are you bringing, the, stay out of my business, man. That's not, you know, that's not your stuff. But the deal is we want God's blessing on our life, but we don't always want to live in such a way that would bring about God's blessing. You say, man, this stuff will bite you. This stuff will hurt you. This stuff will rob you of, of the fullness of life that God wants you to live. Let's keep going. Impurity, lust, and evil desires. You know, this is kind of the one step removed from sexual morality, it's, it's what's going on inside of us. It's, it's the lust, it's, it's the impurity. The, the word for impurity is a word called porneia, and you can guess what we get from that word, pornography. He's saying, man, don't get, get rid of it. Cut this stuff off. This is a part of your old nature. You know, d don't, don't deal with this stuff. And it used to be that pornography was just a men issue. Uh, did you know I saw a stat this week that one out of every three hits to pornographic websites are from women? And, and, and Paul's saying, don't, don't. And many, many of us in here, maybe, maybe you've sort of just resolved that this is just a part of my life. You know, it's, it's not really hurting anybody. It's not really causing any major issues. I, you know, it's just sort of a part of who I am. And Paul's saying, no, it's not. It's not a part of your new nature. It's part of the old wardrobe. We need to be willing to clean out the closet. 
And we'll talk more about how to do that in a minute, but with the issue of, of, of lust and pornography, I want to give you a, a website, and, and, and maybe you have a friend or maybe you struggle in that area. Setting Captives Free is a great resource that, that I've seen men in our church use that, that goes beyond just you know, trying to figure it out uh, surface level, but gets down to what's going on inside of me that's causing me to act out in these ways. And I'd encourage you to, to take a look at that. We've got the Life Course and Retreat at many of our campuses that is coming up this fall that, that helps deal with a lot of the issues on this list. But he says we need to put it to death. The list goes on. Greed. Greed. Are you worshiping stuff instead of God? How can you tell? Look at, your, look at how you're spending your money. Are you spending more than you can afford? Are you, are you kind of buying things that you can't, can't afford because this greed is sort of taken over. And, and, and Paul then takes it a step further and says, greed is idolatry. Idolatry. I, I think of idols. I think of the old wooden things that they used to worship. They've been upgraded. I don't know if you knew that or not. Idols look different now. They often come with four wheels uh, and shiny paint. You know, sometimes it's, it's a home or it can even be a, a spouse or kids. Anything that we expect to do for us what only God can do becomes an idol. Anything that we expect to satisfy us in a way that only God can satisfy us, it becomes an idol. When Paul says we need to put them to death. Anger, rage, malicious behavior. You know, these are all kind of different facets of anger. And you know the drill with this. Many of us struggle with this. Maybe you get mad about something. Somebody says something to you or, or cuts you off or whatever. And you just kind of get angry. And it's not such a big deal until we violate God's principle. We, we go to sleep angry. We don't deal with it quickly. We allow it to grow and fester. Then it turns into rage. All of a sudden, we've lost control of it. We, we start lashing out. We say things that we don't mean. And then it, it kind of continues to snowball into malicious behavior, malicious thoughts. We're thinking, man, I, I hope bad things happen to some people. And, 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 and I didn't think I really struggled with this until I was driving to Greenville this week. We were going up to the Greenville campus to hang out with some leaders in the upstate. And Lisa was with me. I'm driving on the highway. And I would say that I was driving around the speed limit, you know, maybe a little bit north of that, maybe, you know, I don't know, 10 miles or so over. And um, God's forgiven me. Don't judge me. Week two, don't be legalistic, all right? And so this truck comes up right on my tail. And I mean, he just, it's, you've seen it where they come up and they just slam on their brakes right on your tail. And he's just like hovering and he's taller. And he's, there's some kid that had issues in high school and never dealt with them. And he's just all up on me. And I'm, I'm angry because he, I don't like to take it off cruise control. Once I've set my speed, I want to just hang in there, you know? And so I'm like, I'm not going to speed up. That's your problem. Slow down. Chill out, dude. And so I get, finally pass the car on my right, get over, and he just flies by me going about 100 miles an hour. About 10 miles down the road, blue lights I see up front. And initially when I see him, I'm thinking, I hope it's him. I hope it's him. I hope it's him. And it was him. It was him. And so Lisa was like, did you see that was that truck that was riding your tail earlier? And I was like, I know, babe, give me five. And she was like, what is wrong with you? You don't even know that guy, and you're hoping he goes to jail. Malicious behavior. Guilty. All right, let's move on. Slander. Slander. Have you been saying things about somebody else that would destroy their reputation, that would tear them down? Are you spreading stuff or are you the kind of person that stops it? Saying, we, we got to put it to death. We got to get rid of it. This will destroy, especially a, a church community. We start talking about each other. We start slandering each other. Put it to death. Telling lies to each other. Put it to death. Is anybody still clean on the list? Anybody still going, I, yeah, I'm, I'm good? I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Every one of us struggles with something on this list. So don't, don't, 
don't get the idea that this is, again, a, a heaven and hell thing. This is a, God wants us to grow deeper in our faith. God wants us to represent him well. And, and, and yes, he initiates it, initiates it, but we've got a part to play. And we've got to get serious about these things. We've got to be willing to go, man, I'm not, you know, not going to just sort of, uh, you know, put, put, put them in a, another closet or take them up to the attic. I've got to be willing to put them to death. So let me ask you, as Paul would, are you really going to go out in that? Are, are, you, are you really going to wear that attitude to work this week? Are, are you really going to carry that mindset into your family? Is that what you want to represent? Is that who you want to be? We got to be willing to clean out the closet. I'm, uh, today, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I'm going to say, and, and by the way, this is process. This isn't like project. You're not a project for God, and he just wants to fix you, and you're done. You put on clothes every day, right? So he's saying, take them off and, and replace the wardrobe. Be willing to draw a line in the sand and say, today, I'm going to choose to get serious about some of this stuff that's been, been weighing me down and been holding me back spiritually. Second thing we have to do is update the wardrobe. Uh, update the wardrobe. How many of you know if we don't replace the, the old stuff with something new, what happens? The old stuff tends to creep back in. You know, Satan is very patient. He's very patient. He'll wait as long as you believe it's not a big deal, as long as we believe it's, it's you know, just, just a little thing, he'll, he'll wait and, and he'll kind of creep right back in as if we don't replace it with something new. Colossians 3, 10 through 15. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with Tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are all called to live in peace and always be thankful. Sam, we got we to update the wardrobe. We got to clean out some of that other stuff and we got to learn to put on something new. It says we, we need to learn to replace the anger with tenderhearted mercy. I don't know about you, but, but as a man, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that phrase. Tenderhearted, I think about the, the great theologian Michael Bolton. Time, love, and tenderness. You know, it just feels a little. What's he saying? He's saying we need to learn to have mercy on other people. We need to learn to, 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 to think as if we were in their shoes, to, to have compassion on other people. We need to learn to clothe ourselves with kindness, gentleness, patience, humility. He says always forgiving each other's faults. You know, we need to wear forgiveness enough put it on enough that it becomes just a natural reaction for us, that we know that people are going to let us down, people are going to make mistakes, sometimes small, sometimes big, but we get so used to just clothing ourselves with forgiveness, remembering what Jesus has forgiven us for, that it just becomes a natural response. My son is, is amazing at this. He's better at this than I am. He's six years old, and, and I was able to confess to you last week that we're not perfect parents, so I feel much better uh, about being at Walmart with my kids. Um, 
but, but I'll, I'll make mistakes. I mean, I'll, I'll say things that I shouldn't say. There are times that I lose patience, you know, with them, or there are times that I'm disengaged, you know, that I'm, I'm on my cell phone at dinner, and I, there are things that I do that I'm not proud of, and I often find myself coming back to my son, six, and my, my daughter, who's four, uh, Ellie, you know, she doesn't know yet, so I don't have to ask her forgiveness yet, the, the newborn, but, but I'll say, hey, daddy, daddy was wrong. You know, da- daddy shouldn't have done that. Daddy shouldn't have said that. Uh, will you forgive me? And I love Miles. You know, he's like, daddy, I forgive you for everything you've ever done. I'll forgive you for everything you're ever going to do. I'm like, who are you, God? Like, <laughs> but he just, he, 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 it's in him. He just, he's like, I forgive you. Let's move on. And, and, and I want to be like that. I want to be the kind of person that just forgives. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happened. I mean, there's going to be things that are, are hard, but we, we just go, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive. Why? Because we need to be legalistic and follow a set of rules and list no. Because we'll never live the life that God's called us to live if we harbor unforgiveness and resentment. It'll destroy us. It'll kill us. That's why we have to be aggressive about it. We've got to be willing to put it to death. So how do we do it? I mean, most of us that are here would go, yeah, okay. I see some things in that list. I, I'd like to I'd like to do something about. Maybe the, the Holy Spirit prompted you or something kind of stood out on that list and went, yeah, that's something that's, that's holding me back. That's something that's keeping me from living the life that God wants me to live. And yeah, I love that other list. I'd love to be characterized by kindness, by, by, by gentleness, by patience and, and humility, all these things. How do we do it? You know, and, and, and if I gave you a f- four-step process to it, I'd be misleading you because it's not, it's not that simple. It's a, it's a, it is a process. It happens every single day. But in the next verse, I think Paul lays out four keys involved in, in learning to wear this new outfit that, that I want to show you. The first one is a changed heart. A changed heart. Colossians 3.16 says, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. It starts with a changed heart. And then as we, as we come into that saving relationship with Jesus, then we learn to let all of the character of Christ begin to, to dig roots within us. But, but if we don't start from that place of grace, then it'll become a list of things we're trying to do to, to, to impress God. But man, when we've experienced that forgiveness, when we've experienced the love of a father, then we can learn to live in, out of that love and, and, to, and to, to want to represent him well. So it starts there. Second thing is a strong network of friends. Strong network of friends. Colossians 3.16, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. See, the words each other tell us that, that, that we got to study the Bible. Yes, that's important, the wisdom that God gives. And in and, and a deeper series, we, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that God's word is so important. We need to learn to be in it. But he says, don't do it alone. Do it with each other. And I can assure you, I've never known someone who's beaten a sexual sin alone. It's always begun with dragging it out in the light and getting some brothers or sisters in our lives that go, I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to walk with you through that. I've never seen somebody deal with the deep-rooted anger issues all by themselves. Typically, it takes a, a, a network of people that go, man, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to walk with the, and, and there's going to be times that we stumble, but we're going to be here to help pick you up. We need each other. We need a strong network of friends. This weekend at all of our campuses, there's tons of opportunities to get connected here at a church, to surround yourself with that group of people who are going to help you grow. Thirdly, third key, corporate worship. Corporate worship. Look at Colossians 3.16. It continues. It says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. That seems a little misplaced, doesn't it? I mean, really, corporate worship? Like, it seems like, what's that all about? 
Well, I'll tell you, here at Seacoast, our prayer every time we gather, whether it's on a weekend or a first Wednesday, our prayer is that we would experience the presence and the power of God. And when we, when we come to Him in worship, when we engage our hearts with God in worship, stuff happens. Uh, I've had people that go, man, I, when, when I came into Seacoast for the first time, I had a lump in my throat. Or I had, and and, and they, they, it's hard to explain that. And it's, it's the presence and the power of God. As we engage our hearts with him, he's able to, to bring breakthrough. He's able to break chains. And how many of you know that it's hard to, to, to engage God with your heart and be angry? You know, and, and so that's why it's so important that we make it a weekly part of our routine to, to engage in worship corporately. Because when we come together, if there are issues, they're going to be highlighted. If there are issues, it's going to be hard for us to fully engage. And, and, and it's a way for God, to, the Holy Spirit to go, hey, here's something I want you to, I want you to pay attention to. I want you to repent of. So corporate worship. And then the last one is service. Service. Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever we do, whether it's our jobs, our hobbies, and our homes, he said, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus came to serve and not to be served. What if we took that attitude into our day? What, what if tomorrow morning when you went into work, you went, you know what? Whatever I do, I want to do it in the name of Jesus. I think we do our work with excellence, and I think we'd serve the people around us. We'd love them. And so proud of, of the church this, this weekend. We had a dental access day yesterday in a medical clinic up at the North Charleston uh, Coliseum. And we had several hundred volunteers that said, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to serve these people. I'm going to love these people. I'm going to provide whatever. You know, we had dentists that came in and, and did dental care for free. And, and when we live lives of service, then, then we learn to, to clothe ourselves with gentleness, with mercy, with patience. It's just a part of our daily routine. We're learning to put the clothes on. So those aren't four steps that you can go, all right, I'm gonna do these four things and it's gonna be done. But these are things that we need to learn to, to put on. We need to learn to clothe ourselves with as we walk in our face. So we need to clean out the closet. We need to update the wardrobe. Here's the third thing. We need to try it on at home before we wear it out. Try it on at home before we wear it out. What do I mean? Check out this next passage of scripture, Colossians 3, 18 to 25. Some of you have read ahead and you're like, I wonder how Josh is going to deal with the uh, wives submit to your husband's verse or, you know, let's just read it. Wives submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you're serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done, for God has no favorites. How many of you would agree there's some landmines in that passage of scripture? There's some, there's some interesting verses in there. What's he saying? See, when I read it in context with what he's just said prior, he's saying put it on at home first. Practice on the people closest to you. You know, some of you are kind of getting uncomfortable with the whole wives submit to your husband's verse. Uh, and man, this is a bad time to elbow your wife. Just don't do that right now. What's he saying? Man, when you clothe yourself with humility, with, with gentleness, with patience, there are going to be times you need to yield 
to, to, to the, the, the husband in your life. You may, meet, you may disagree. You may not see eye to eye. There are going to be times that you need to just yield to him. Saying, try this stuff on at home before you wear it out. You know, Lisa and I were talking about this a lot this week. And she was like, hey, I'll come speak on that. I want to talk about that. And I said, no, submit, woman. I'm speaking. I'm tired of hearing <laughs> about how great you were last week. And I want to keep my job. So no, I, didn't really, I didn't really say that. That wouldn't have gone well. But, but, but we were talking about it. And we'll, we're going to do a series uh, after our No Place Like Home series in September. We're going to do a series on dating and relationships and marriage. And it's going to be fun. We'll process some of this stuff. But Lisa was like, hey, you know, if, I'd love to tell the single ladies, if you're dating somebody and you read that verse and, and it scares you that you wouldn't want to live a life that you'd be willing to yield, you'd be willing to submit, you'd be willing to kind of trust this person with your plans, then break up with them. I mean, if you're, if you're with someone that's, that, that's not living out Christ's principles, then, then, then that's going to be a hard verse to, to apply. But and men, sometimes we, we think of submit and, and we think of MMA, right? You know, you get them in a hold and you get them to where they're in so much pain that they, they tap out. You know, that's not what the verse is saying. So if you've ever said, woman, submit, you've, you've misapplied uh, this verse. But, but he's saying, practice this stuff at home. Men, don't speak harshly to your wives. You know, the, the anger and the rage, we're talking about taking these things off and learning to live in a different way. He's saying, apply it on your wives first. Children, obey your parents. Parents, don't, don't provoke your kids. This is just an application of what he's saying. Slaves, and some of you are going to get hung up on that. Is he pro-slavery? No. But there was slavery. It didn't look exactly like 18th, 19th century slavery in the United States, but there was slavery. And, and what Paul was saying is, hey, I don't care where you are. God's word is good for all of us. Whether you're in favorable circumstances or not, try to live this stuff out. Learn to clothe yourself with these principles. And, 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 and you're going to see that, that you're going to make an impact with the people that you're around. How many know it's easy to impress people from afar? It's easy to go kind of shotgun over on a mission trip, and I love mission trips, go on them all the time, uh, but, but it's easy to go love on people for a week that you never see again and never have to deal with. And he's saying the true test of, of how we live this out, of how we're doing this, is what does our, our, our roommate say about us? What, what's your wife saying about how we're, how we're doing it, clothing ourselves in these principles? What's your husband say? Try it on at home before you wear it out. The true test is going to be, how are we living this stuff out at home? You know, if you have an anger problem and you, you were willing today to go home and, and maybe pull your roommate or your spouse or your kids aside and say, you know what, I, I've, been, I've been wearing this anger and, and I'm sorry. Guess what? A couple things. One, they're not going to be surprised. You know, they already know. You live with them. Two, it's going it's, it's to, they're going to go, man, what's, what's up with dad? That's, that's, that's a step in clothing ourselves with humility. Say, I was wrong. You know, we need to learn to wear the, the, the wardrobe that God's called us to wear. So what, what if your life, maybe let's say the last week, was being shown on the big screen this week at church? Which of the lists do you think it would reflect? You know, and this isn't a you thing, it's a me thing, it's an us thing. You know, let's be a church that learns how to clothe ourselves in these the, 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 these, these values, these principles. Remember, the Holy Spirit produces the fruit. We just need to learn to, to put it on on a daily basis. You can't rush it. Got to be patient, sometimes with ourselves in it. But let's be a church that we don't just talk about how great Jesus is. We actually live it out. And you know, I do want to change that reputation. 
I do. I, I don't want people to think of, of narrow-mindedness and, and, you know, judgmental hypocrisy when they think of, of believers. But, but we can get all hyped up about how they feel about us on the outside or how the media portrays us. Let's just live it out in our homes. Let's try it on at home first and see if, if as we consistently live lives of yielding ourselves to Christ, clothing ourselves in humility, we'll begin to see the reputation change, at least in the areas that we live. Would you guys pray with me as we close? God, we just thank you so much. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that it's so relevant to our lives. Lord, I thank you that uh, today you, you brought us into a passage, Lord, that, that in some ways is going to be convicting for every person in this room. So, Lord, we just want to invite you as your spirit to, to show us, Lord, highlight for us the areas that, that we need to, to, to be willing to, to put them to death. Lord, and I thank you that as we enter into this battle, we, we wield a pretty big sword because we carry your, your word and your Holy Spirit. So God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us put to death the things that don't represent you. Lord, for some of us, these are things that have been with us for a long time. These are things that we've become very comfortable with. Lord, and I believe today you want to set us free from some of the garbage that's holding us back. Lord, would you please give us the strength and, Lord, the, the courage to stare these issues down and to put them on the table. Lord, for some of us, that's a step of confession that maybe we've never made before. God, I pray that you would give us the courage, Lord, not to just sweep it away and put it in a closet, but to, to kill it, to put it to death, to do whatever it takes to see victory in these areas of our lives. Help us to be clothed with fruits of the Spirit, to be clothed with gentleness, kindness, patience, mercy. Lord, I thank you that these are all things that you've shown us first. And it's because of a, a loving God that we can even begin to walk out in, 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 in this wardrobe, God. I thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son to die for us while we were still sinners. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' name, amen.